Hello, you're listening to Real-Time Strategy. Thank you all for joining us today for our very first Triple Point podcast, a bi-weekly podcast looking at gaming through the lens of PR professionals. We will touch on everything from pitches to PlayStations and break down industry trends while pulling back the curtain to show the often unseen work that goes into launching games. My name is Caitlin Redwing, and I am one of your hosts along with the ever-talented Sam Mosier and Sarah Green. For our inaugural episode, we'll be telling you a bit more about us, what we do, and discuss some points of interest in the industry. As a disclaimer, we work with many companies across the gaming industry, such as Pokemon, Blizzard, Gearbox, and more that may come up on this podcast. If you want to see our client roster, you can visit triplepointpr.com. So, hello, Sam and Sarah. Yay, I'm very excited we get to do this today. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I feel like this has been a long time coming. We have been wanting to do this for a while, so... It's exciting that we finally get to. When did we like start planning this? I think it was back in like over the summer. August? It was, yeah, August, July. The first episode rush is always a great feeling because it's, it's, you know, it's a big, obviously the finish line is now bi-weekly going forward, but it, it feels good to be, you know, to know that we've made it here and that we're <laughs> finally doing the thing. <laughs> finally doing it. Um we are normally more on top of things. No, I'm just kidding. We just <laughs> a lot goes into creating a podcast, probably more than maybe some of us thought. Sam, this is not new to you, but <laughs> it's entirely new to me. So I was like, wow, so much more than I realized. Yeah, but it's all exciting. So for this first episode, I'd like to start with talking just a bit more about ourselves. So the audience gets to know us better better since the three of us will be on the episodes moving forward. Um, Sarah, you have been at Triple Point the longest, so let's have you start with who you are, what you do at Triple Point, and your past experiences with PR and just how you got into video game PR in general. Cool. Yeah. That makes me feel like excited and also old that I've been here the longest. Um so hi, I am Sarah. I am an account executive at Triple Point. I've been here for a little under two years, big two years in January. Um, and yeah, I mean, I know we'll talk more about what we do later, so I won't get into all of that. Um, but I've been, I guess, professionally in games PR for about two years, but before that have worked at uh, Duolingo, working with them on their Twitch streamer program, um, and worked to recruit streamers, do the Twitch partnership there, um, just work on general PR and social media stuff for Duolingo. Um, and then I also interned in esports and work with the Pittsburgh Knights, who are now partnered with the Pittsburgh Steelers. That was a really fun process, and just being able to be involved with the process of that partnership was awesome. Um, and then during my time at Pitt, I also started the school's student PR firm, um, just kind of that I guess, roundabout path of getting interested in PR and then realizing every industry needs PR. Being like, I can do PR in video games. <laughs> so it felt like the like ultimate life hack. I was like, oh my God, I can do this. Um, so ever since I figured that out, um, I've been just kind of working towards finding uh, opportunities in PR and opportunities in gaming like esports or like with Duolingo or a company that's looking to get into gaming. Um, the fun connection is my former boss at Duolingo actually used to be a triple pointer. So that's kind of how I ended oh, up here. Cool. Yeah. I, I just learned so much about you. I knew you were at Duolingo, <laughs> but didn't know your boss was a former triple pointer. Yeah. Didn't know about the Pittsburgh. Did you say the Pittsburgh Knights? Yeah. The Pittsburgh Knights, they're a esports team out of Pittsburgh. Um, very much local pride based on just being a Pittsburgh team and wanting to work with Pittsburgh organizations. Um, awesome people. And it was kind of my first experience with esports in general. There's mm. so much there in that ecosystem that I never, uh, never knew about. And um, yeah, with Duolingo, I, my boss at um, Duolingo sent me out to TwitchCon and he's like, oh, I'll connect you with my old boss while I'm there. Um, and I ended up getting connected with Twin. And then from there, kind of just ended up working out uh, where I was able to interview and be hired working in a games PR firm, which is like my dream job. So 
was a very fun, yeah, that was exactly what I wanted to do. So I feel very lucky and fortunate and excited that that was kind of like the first job right out of the gate. Yeah, I I feel like that's, I'm, I'm going to speak for the entire industry, but I feel like that's very rare. Like for most people I know who work in video games PR, actually kind of except for our company, which is strange <laughs> enough, but a lot of people I know like were in journalism at first or worked at other large agencies before even getting into video game PR. So it's nice to have someone with the perspective of like starting out in video game PR because I just feel like it's very different from a lot of other, other industries. Yeah, my, my boyfriend um, actually works in the Career Center at Pitt and just hearing the stories about students he works with and like kids finding their path. Um, and it's always strange to me because I feel like I've known what I've wanted to do. So it's very hard when I talk to people and they're like, yeah, well, you know, it's about like figuring it out. And I'm like, not you. It doesn't doesn't count. You just like are weird and wanted to do since high school. <laughs> so so much of career development really is maybe not so much of it, but like a degree of just telling someone like this is a job that exists. Um, yeah. <laughs> like I just didn't know it existed until I Googled it. And like my school didn't really have a PR program. And obviously you know, all the professors there have worked in the industry a long time ago. So like video game PR maybe wasn't even a thing when they were around. So a lot of it was just like self-research and getting connected with people. But like, yeah, I didn't even, I, I mean, I looked at Triple Point a little bit, but part of it was like, I wanted to stay in Pittsburgh. So it's very hard oh. to find a job in Pittsburgh in video games. Um, so my plan wasn't originally to apply for Triple Point because I knew they're based out of San Francisco. Um, so being able to have that connection and being able to actually talk to someone through a point, like, oh yeah, we have people all over the country. Um, cause I kind of always assumed that like, even though I knew what I wanted to do, I wouldn't be able to go into it right away, whether it was location or like, that's just not how like the world works. <laughs> so yeah, I'm e extremely lucky and I've had amazing opportunities that have allowed me to be where I am today. Oh, love that. That is a very interesting path. Um, Sam. Tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, my name's Sam. I've been at Triple Point for a year and some change now. I was an intern or an associate, uh, as Triple Point calls the program, uh, while I was doing graduate school at the University of Missouri. And yeah, kind of similar to Sarah, was fortunate enough to have that working relationship and, and turn that into a full-time position after I finished graduate school. So um, I've been at Triple Point for about six months now full-time, but ultimately like almost a year and a half. Uh, and so I kind of come from a journalism background. That was my undergraduate degree focused on, I knew I wanted to get into games. That was kind of the the blanket mission going into college. Uh, and similar to kind of what Sarah describing, just learning that games PR was more and more a, a viable path and um, one that, you know, existed far more than I ever knew uh, when I was like in high school. So I, as I got deeper into college, tailored more and more of my education and job uh, applications toward that path. And Led me, as we'll discuss, you know, more in depth, that uh, led me to Triple Point here. And thankfully, kind of the audio journalism background I did before all that has stuck around with podcasting and happy to happy to utilize it here. <laughs> yeah, I you have lots of podcast experience and I I love listening to your I forgive me for forgetting the name your movie podcast. Critically panned. Criti yes. Oh, it's such a good name. I don't know why I keep forgetting what it's called because every time I see it, I'm like, oh, I love the name. As we learned on this show, naming any podcast is oh. almost the hardest part. <laughs> we were we were talking about all the things, you know, people might not know going into, uh, you know, making a podcast. And I feel like one of the biggest things you don't know until you do it is like just having to find a name. Oh, my uh. gosh. We should have recorded like our brainstorm sessions as its own like weird podcast. You could have done like a montage with like a little sound effect behind. Yeah, it took forever. And it was just like finding a combination between something that's not already taken and has viable SEO. Mm -hmm. Like we want to name it Tripod, but like good luck. That's <laughs> podcast Tripod. Okay, that's yeah. 
We'll be right at the top of that. <laughs> yeah. If we accidentally call it Tripod, don't blame us because we loved that name. That was just how we were like I... referring to it internally until we could find something. Or... I love real-time strategy, though. I feel like it's the perfect blend between video games and like strategic communications. Caitlin, tell us about you. Oh my gosh. Yes. Hello. <laughs> I forgot. I honestly like was about to jump to our totally like next topic. Um, I'm the baby. Well, actually, I'm no longer the baby here at Triple Point, but I feel like the newbie. I started this past February. Um, I'm an account executive. I Before joining Triple Point, I actually didn't start out in video game PR. I started out working for tech and consumer clients at a global agency um, and actually another smaller local agency here in Michigan was my first start. Um, so yeah, video game PR is pretty new to me, but unlike Sarah, who figured that out early on, I didn't, I also didn't know video game PR existed for like a few years. I think my, like my college years, I honestly didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew I had to do, I wanted to do something with communications, but I loved reading and I loved playing video games and I loved technology. So I kind of just like looked everywhere and I happened to get an internship at Fleischmann in New York and was like, okay, this is what I'm going to start with. We'll see where we go from there. And during that stint, I was like an editor for a small like video game news site and started a video game podcast with some friends and then really just like came to the realization that I wanted to combine my love for communications and PR with video games. And then the pandemic happened and it's just like all the stars aligned, found a nice remote job. I like my coworkers here. It just kind of all worked out um, pretty nicely. But yeah, it just, it took me a few years to find video game PR, but I'm glad I'm here and hope to stay. <laughs> Yeah, and now we're all here together. <laughs> we are. I also, yeah, oh, I did mention, I was like, I have a little bit of podcasting experience, but most of that is just an excuse for me and some friends to get together and talk about video games, which is kind of what we're doing here as well. <laughs> just, we like to talk and we want to do it in a more professional environment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like the best... PR is the kind you don't know about. And so like all of us not knowing that video game PR existed <laughs> is a testament. The industry does such a great job that we just didn't know it was around. I know. But it's just, it's one of those things where, and I I hear about some colleges um, doing stuff around the video game industry. That was not my college. Mm -hmm. We may have had a PR um, segment and I was like, I was in the school, school of communications but video games is not something that is popular. Like the video game industry is not popular in Michigan. So I was not aware of it really until after college, which is unfortunate. But I think there's so much opportunities for college graduates to get involved in the video game industry. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's hard to find those opportunities. My school finally started caring as I was graduating. Like, they started a program that was a crossover between, like, the writing school and the computer science school to, like, mm -hmm. write and make video games. And I was like, I would have done this if I had known. <laughs> and, yeah. So, I think schools are, like, slowly starting to catch on. But, like, even PR, too. I find that so many schools don't have PR programs. They have, like, writing and journalism programs and, like, mm -hmm. business programs. And the PR is kind of, like, lost in the crack in the middle, which is kind of, like... Yeah. Doesn't exist. <laughs> I so I was a advertising and PR minor at my school and even going from that like an actual program dedicated to PR to like the real life PR it was so different. Yeah. Like it shocked me. And I know that's probably common in a lot of fields like my major is writing that doesn't that's different no matter where you go. But um Definitely for PR, I feel like what we were taught was a lot of, I want to say, more traditional PR, a lot of talk about, mm -hmm. like, how do you, like, cold call people, which not to say, like, calling isn't a big part of our job. Like, we, we talk with people, how, whichever way we can, whichever way is more, most comfortable for others. But, yeah, I don't know. It just was one of those things where it 
it's very different working in the industry compared to just like learning about it in a school environment. Yeah, there's only so much, I mean, textbook and, and lecture learning, I think can go a certain, uh, can only go so far as valuable mm -hmm. as it is. And as much of the process as I think, um, you know, it's always going to be there. Uh, it's not until I, I, I feel the same way. Like when I, once I was in agency doing it or internships beforehand, it's like much different than what professors had told me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, so many professors that have experience, like I said, like just were in the industry so long ago. So not even just like video games, but just things like not doing a press release for everything. It's like a weird concept to them. And so they just teach you, you're doing press releases and like, you're going to be doing like, you know, large, like written reports, which like, yes, but like 30 page reports. Like <laughs> I no. was about to say 50 page reports. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, no, no client is ever going to want, I don't care how good your campaign is. No clients ever want to read 30 pages or present oh. 30 pages. Um, just stuff like that. I find, and I, had a little while ago, I got to speak from students from my school and they were like, what's something you wish you had learned or like you didn't know when you entered the industry? And I was just like pausing and I'm like, I don't know where to start. I also don't know how to tell you like how much I <laughs> didn't know going in, which is okay because you learn on the job and I like, I don't want to frighten these poor children, but like there's a lot and it's changing every day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like even digital events are much more prominent than they were two years ago. And there are people now adapting in the industry to that kind of thing. So yeah, I, mean, I don't think school could ever pray. That's why internships are just so, if you're listening to this, please go to an internship, please. And so go important. get a paid internship. Like, we offer paid yeah, internships. We do offer so like, paid internships. Yeah. And I will. I'm, we have I'm, Sam I'm the, to I'm the product. Yeah, I'm the Sam product of the that environment. Sam is the poster child for our <laughs> campaign for interns. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Um, I feel it, unpaid internships, especially like with my journalism background, are a very hot button issue. And I feel like something mm -hmm. that's slowly getting weeded out as is something that's mm -hmm. just like taking advantage of kids, you know, who need the experience to get on their resume. But mm -hmm. um, while professionally it can do a lot for them, it just in so many ways also just stunts where you're at because you're not making any money to support yeah. your, you know, your everyday needs. Mm -hmm. So yeah, paid internships are, are key. Yeah. yeah if, you, if you ever need assistance, like looking for internships in PR and you're interested about Triple Point, obviously you are free to contact one of us. Also, we have uh, contacts throughout the industry. So I am more than happy to connect people to their to the right people uh, mm -hmm. because like Sarah said, uh, internships are just, they're so valuable, especially figuring out what you want to do. You might go into something thinking that's what you want to do and then you find out it's not. Yeah. I'll insert this here. Uh, if you want to reach out to us or have any questions for the podcast, feel free to email podcast at triplepointpr.com and uh, that email will come to us. So uh you know, historically speaking, uh, listener mail is not something uh, that happens all that often, <laughs> at least in the podcasting I've done. But hey, it's the option is there. So again, a podcast at triplepointpr.com. Yeah. And actually, this might be a good place. Uh, you hear us talking a lot about Triple Point and what we do. Mm -hmm. Sarah, do you want to talk a little bit more about what exactly Triple Point is? Absolutely. So Triple Point is a leading PR and influencer marketing agency um, that works in video games, entertainment, um, tech, but mainly focusing in kind of like the video game sector. Been around since 2002. So we turn 20 years old next year, which is awesome. Um, and we do a little bit of everything. I think a lot of times when people hear a PR firm, they kind of box that in to like media relations. Um, but we do media, we do communications, messaging, influencers, um, PR strategy, events, um, basically anything that if you are communicating outwards, we likely have a hand in that. So it's very cross-functional, I think, in the way that the term PR firm doesn't do it justice. Yeah. I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so I'm like, that's not that's not what Triple Point Actually, is. <laughs> do you mind Actually. if we cut this, Sam? Uh, Sarah just completely got it wrong. 
<laughs> so while we're here kind of just talking about what Triple Point is, obviously we are a podcast, you know, dealing with gaming through the eyes of PR professionals. But for some people who might lean more on the gaming side of the Venn diagram versus the PR professionals, just real quickly, I, I think it might be useful for people just to hear a bit about like what we do on a day-to-day or weekly basis, just some sort of the tasks. Because I think both of you know from personal experience talking to family and friends who are like, what do you do? (laughs) (laughs) Which shouldn't be as hard of a question as it can be. I have a great answer. Well, okay, I think this is a great answer. All right, lay it on us. Um, I'm pretty sure I stole this from someone and I don't know who to give credit to. (laughs) But what I've used is I always say like, because it gets confused with advertising a lot. I'm like, you take a magazine, advertising is what's on the back of the the magazine. PR is everything that's on the front cover. Ah, that's, I like that. Yeah. I think it's, it is a very good way of saying like, we are the people who, look, we're coming up, not to discredit reporters, they who come up with story ideas, but we help place the right people with the right people. So we find people in the industry who are our clients and they have a story to tell and we pair them with a reporter who wants to tell this story. And sometimes that works the other way with a reporter who's like, I have this story I want to talk about. And they come to us and we're like, oh, we have someone who's perfect for that. Mm-hmm. I always think it trying to explain our job to people that maybe aren't as in the loop with what we do. Um, I still find myself having to kind of explain stuff to my parents. Sometimes I realize there's so much to what we do that like you maybe don't even touch on some of it. And they're like, wait, what's that? I'm like, oh yeah, I don't think I've told you about that. Um, I think like to explaining influencer relations and influencers to people that aren't aware of what that means is such a hard thing to do correctly. Because what do you say? It's people that are influential in the industry um, <laughs> that have great power over the masses. Um, <laughs> and they mean a lot when trying to get people talking about your game. With great power comes great yeah. responsibility. <laughs> I um, have my, my uh, was it esports uh, team, the way they described influencers and like twitch streaming to people has been like a way that i feel kind of similar to how you explain pr caitlin is like a very good analogy for more old school people um mm-hmm. but in terms of like why is streaming interesting to people and i said imagine and you know because of steelers partner they're like imagine if like ben roethlisberger had like a camera on him while he was at <laughs> practice or training camp and he had like and he was just like talking to people like like basically video calling you and like talking to you you could ask him questions and he would answer back I feel like that's a good way. Just like swap in a quarterback for like whatever team is relevant to who you're talking yeah. to. But like major professional sports players being able to watch them practice and like being able to communicate directly with them is kind of the best way I've found to explain it. I'll at least get some more like understanding head nods like, oh, okay. All right. Like <laughs> when you relate it to sports, it becomes easy for a lot of people. <laughs> Yeah. Even if they don't like sports, they're like, okay, sports has like a common ground. I can at least like, you know, yeah, I at least I can relate this more than I can video games. It's hilarious. No matter what industry you get into, you can still not escape the, the fields of uh, sports analogies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It's everywhere. I mean, we have our own sports Slack channel. If there are some <laughs> sports people out there interested in PR and looking for a job we have that to offer you <laughs> and if you're not it's totally optional i'm not in that i was so. gonna say i didn't know that was a channel yes. you did it oh no <laughs> sam and i are in the Twi- taylor swift channel it's all the time. okay That's all, 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 I mean, this is a podcast hosted by swifties yes <laughs> we are we are all taylor in the, swift channel and the triple point taylor swift channel <laughs> that should be a separate podcast we make the triple swift <laughs> That's our, that's our weekly Taylor, bi-weekly Taylor Swift podcast that alternates weeks with this one. On the other that's, Fridays, we publish the Taylor Swift yeah. podcast. You better get moving on it because I kid you not, someone else sent me a message this morning asking if I wanted to do a Taylor Swift podcast with them. I've been thinking about that. I'm like, I could talk about Taylor Swift for hours. Yeah. So, okay. That's, this is... What timestamp is this? I need to cut this out. Uh, <laughs> we can keep this. Um... But yeah, okay, now that the professional stuff is out of the way, aka Taylor Swift talk, um, 
We can also talk a little bit about our favorite video games. What got us your favorite video games maybe now of all time? What what game was the game that got you into video games? Um, any excuse to talk about games, really? <laughs> yeah. Caitlin, why don't you kick us off? Because I know I'll talk for a while. So, <laughs> yeah, I can be quick. Um, my favorite game slash I am putting an apostrophe. I'm putting an S in there is the Last of Us series. I am not able to tell you which one of the games is my favorite because I can't decide no matter how many times I've replayed them. I am currently replaying the second one right now on a harder difficulty, not grounded because I'm not that great at games, (laughs) but I'm struggling (laughs) and I'm still like, I'm having a blast. It's just, it's one of those games that it, I always go back to when I need, when I need that spark of like, I want, (laughs) I want to love the video game I'm playing. If I've had kind of like a run of games where i just felt iffy about that's kind of my fallback game um Mm -hmm. but yeah i also like my current favorite game is animal crossing yes yes i since the dlc and the update i have played it like every single day for the past it's so cathartic it is i it is although it's weird to hear like them saying like for the client you're like what wait Oh yeah, <laughs> like just triggers your immediate PR response. You're like, what for? What's for the client? I can't believe I have two jobs and one is Animal Crossing yeah. <laughs> and one is in real life. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I loved Animal Crossing growing up, uh, especially the GameCube. Uh, mm. But I'm like totally drawing a blank on what it was called. Um, I think on the ga- on the GameCube it was just Animal Crossing. Was it just Animal Crossing? Oh. Okay, New Leaf was DS, right? 3DS. Yes. 3D. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, which I also really liked. New Leaf City Folk was okay. I didn't play that one as much, um, but I feel like the new like with this update in the DLC, it has combined like the best of Animal Crossing, the best of The Sims. Yes. There's no debt, and you just get to design pretty house. Oh, oh, it's so much. I love it. It's cathartic. I like it. <laughs> For a long time, I thought I wanted to be an interior designer. Now I know I, I was destined to be an interior designer in Animal Crossing. <laughs> 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 However, um, it has definitely taken up so much of my time that I haven't played the games that I have wanted to play this fall, which is like Metroid and the new Call of Duty and Forza. And the list goes on and on. And I so many games hate myself that I was like (laughs) dragged my feet through playing games this year. And then I was like, oh, I have so many games to look forward to. And then Animal Crossing happened. (laughs) That should be like another part of the question. It's like, what is the game that you are meaning to play? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Which is minus Metroid, (laughs) Call of Duty and Forza. (laughs) I always say like what haunts your backlog. And yeah, Metroid Dread is definitely on my list. Um, that's, that's funny about the, the interior decorating and what's better about being an interior decorator in Animal Crossing versus real life is that froggy chairs, um, <gasps> have not come into style in real life yet. <laughs> Which is a shame. It's around. a shame. You don't have to move anything. It's just like pick up like interior designers in real life. Probably like if you don't like something like a huge mm-hmm. couch, like that's a huge who wants to, to then who wants that. to move furniture? I, I say as <laughs> yeah. I spent my entire weekend building and moving it's furniture around today. it's it's way more fun and then your back doesn't hurt yeah um <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah sam what are what is your favorite game so it's funny that you say your favorite games are the last of Us series because my favorite game of all time is also the last of us yes uh, i mean <laughs> peas in a pod right here oh, uh, which it. was another name of this podcast it was gonna be three peas in a podcast <gasps> or in a pod <laughs> yeah we thought it was too cutesy though for like yeah. a professional podcast <laughs> which it is very cute but it's like yeah it's not as professional that, that name is just for us it's just three for us <laughs> the, it's like we'll, we'll call ourselves the three peas People get um, so confused listening to this, but what is the name? Like, they have to go back and double check and be like, all right, so it's not tripod. It's what not- am I listening to? Yeah, real-time strategy. Real-time strategy. Just, like, meditate and say that name over and over again. Yeah. We used to get redirecting domains for anyone who types in, like, all right, tripod. Nope. So... Uh. Caitlin, you asked, uh, like, going around, like, uh, favorite games or games that mean a lot to you or, like, mm-hmm. you know, f- 
uh, foundational and like, you know, what games mean to you. And I think that is why The Last of Us Part One is my mm-hmm. favorite game of all time. And also, just to get this out there, we're in a podcast of Last of Us Part Two lovers. I also love Part Two. Um, Yay. I'm pro all the decisions. I think that game's awesome. Oh, um, a masterpiece. Yes, I love all the choices made. Uh, but the, the reason Last of Us Part One is special to me and, and why it's my favorite game is I think it landed at a perfect point in like my gaming history that I was still like playing games all the time and, and enjoying them, but I had just beaten Assassin's Creed three, uh, which I think was my first M rated game I'd ever played at least like, you know, discounting like playing call of duty at friends mm-hmm. houses and stuff or like halo or anything. But I remember, I mean, Assassin's Creed three is wealth of content. It's a cool look at colonial America, but like, there's just a lot to do in that game, and I I beat it. I and I, I, oh, I played. You did. I played like thirty hours, and I Sam, was like, "I love that game." <laughs> and I did too, but there was like a degree of for me that was like, "Oh no, I finally <laughs> reached M-rated games, and, and is this it? Like, <laughs> is this all that awaits me now that I'm an adult gamer?" Uh, and then fortunately, the next game I played was The Last of Us, which. <laughs> From like a production design point of view with the performances and how amazing that game still looks to most importantly, like the storytelling and how emotionally affecting it is uh, that I was like, oh, like this is what we're capable of. And yeah. oh, it's I, yeah, very special game to me. Oh, I'd love to hear that. I also love to hear that you finished Assassin's Creed 3 and at least <laughs> liked it because I feel like I fight until my knuckles are bloody with people who are like hate that game and i'm over here like i i loved that game so much and that's part of it's like one of the very few games that has like native american representation where you play as a native american character um so i'm a little biased but yeah uh, the last of us is just what a great game what a great game so i'm gonna okay i have immense love and respect for the last of us series i've never played any of them Purely for the fact I have a crippling fear of zombies. Like, I just can't mm. function in those high pressure. <laughs> like, when you're hanging upside down and you're, no, I, no, I can't do that. Um, so I've That's never fair. played them, but I've watched playthroughs where I could be like hands off and just like hide and enjoy when I need to and also back away and not look at it because it's too high intensity for me. <laughs> uh, I watched the second one too, like when they're running through the mall. I was like, nope. 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 Oh, I was sweating. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, I I was sweating watching it. I was like, I oh my god, how did anyone function and do like anything? In- there, oh, there are no. multiple times, and I'm trying to remember which ones there they are. Where I throw I chucked my headphones. Yes. Yeah. Well, I I, ch- I didn't the throw the controller. I like nope. part of I me knew not to throw the controller, controller, but I would chuck my headphones off mostly because. When The Last of Us 2 came out, I was doing a spoiler cast that next Monday. So I had to like binge play it that whole weekend. So I didn't sleep. So I was playing it like three o'clock in the morning, pitch black. I've got zombies. I have it. It's in my headphones. I have 3D audio. I hear every little thing. And I was terrified. I loved every second of it. (laughs) It's like pure hell. (laughs) Why do we do this to ourselves? I don't know. (laughs) I, yeah. It's a beautiful game. The story is amazing. And I loved Last of Us 2, just like the level of like discomfort that it pushes upon the player. Like I mm-hmm. loved all that. Yeah, just can't play it though. I feel like maybe one day, like if I get better at it, I will play it and I will stream it because I feel like everyone needs to. Mm-hmm. I just for like, for all the people that I've been telling for years that I can't play it because how scared I am. I need to show them just exactly like how bad it is. Um, <laughs> I'll watch. watch. I, yeah. I do love watching people freak out. Oh God, it'll be horrible. <laughs> Sorry, Sarah, but like I do want to see it, you freak I'll out. I'll do it a long, long time from now when I don't have clients to embarrass. Um, <laughs> how, how terrible I am. Um, my favorite game, and I think everyone in the agency and on this call and that's probably met me knows that i love kingdom hearts of final fantasy with Mm -hmm. just all of my being and soul um my first like real video game besides playing like mario and stuff like that as i was younger um was kingdom hearts because my brother got me into it and like my brother and i have 
nothing in common. We never got along. It was tense and strained and we were like not friends. And then he got me into video games. And that is like to this day still like the main thing we communicate about. <laughs> and that's like the only thing we talk about. And that's like actually been a great kind of like building block in our relationship is being able to talk about video games and Kingdom Hearts and stuff like that. Um, so that's... Those are my two favorite series. I'd say probably favorite game of all time is definitely Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core. Yeah. It's definitely the first, it was the first game that made me cry. And it's probably the only game that'll make me cry that hard ever. Um, I'm just like praying to God they make it a like movie or something. I don't think they'll remake it, but like make it like a movie or like an add-on to like one of the remake chapters. Yeah. I'm praying really hard. That would be amazing. Um, that would be so great. It's just such a beautiful... Especially because they have that whole ending thing. I'm not going to spoil it for anyone who hasn't played, but, like, the ending thing that ties under Crisis Core. Like, if they don't... Because there's probably so many people out there that are like, who's that guy? We're looking know of him, but they don't know the story. It's such a beautiful story. Um, So I'm really hoping that that is tied in. So that's my, that's my favorite game, I think, of all time. Um, But my more recent favorite game, I have been playing... <laughs> Kind of a cheat. It was like Final Fantasy fourteen. I've been playing a lot of. I've been playing mm-hmm. that. Um, I went on the other day and looked at my account. I have 3,000 subscription days. I've been playing wow. since my freshman year of high school. It's wow. been a while. That is yeah. dedication. That's the longest I've done anything my entire life. <laughs> like, I really think that's the most time I've ever put in anything. Um, and also Horizon Zero Dawn. I finished. I finally got oh, to it. Yeah. It was like my big backlog piece this year. I got to it and I love it so much. It is oh. so good. It's so beautiful. I am so excited for Forbidden West and I'm trying to play through the Frozen Wild DLC, but also in my mind, I'm like, all right, you finished it. Your backlog is growing. Please move on. <laughs> so I'm now on Near Automata. That's what I'm also playing at the moment. Sarah, just like you hadn't played The Last of Us, but have a huge respect for it. I have a huge respect and admiration for the Final Fantasy series and Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> but there are so many yeah. games in <laughs> yeah. both of those that I am um, in very intimidated by them. So I just like appreciate it from afar because yeah. I know myself and know that I would, I just, I don't know if there will ever be a time where I play through those series. I, I, I feel like a big part of like being a, a, like a, for like like a, a gaming enthusiast is like just making certain like like revelations to yourself that you're like yeah I'm never gonna play this <laughs> like I'm and that's just okay being honest because <laughs> yeah. look I have ADHD I'll love like one game and then get distracted and will need something new and I won't be able to play the second this I don't have ADHD and I still do that <laughs> so like I think it's maybe a it's not an gaming ADHD. thing uh, so like I yeah I, I so the, the good thing about Final Fantasy is, like, they're all individual games. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to start anywhere, you can. There's, like, some carryover elements, but, like, overall, they're all independent. But, like, I don't think I've ever met a single person that's played every single Final Fantasy game. And if they did, I'd be concerned. Because that's, like, 30 games, yeah. at least. Technically, I have played, life. <laughs> I think, most of seven. But it was so many years ago that I, like... It's a long game. It is. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've started on the more recent ones that are shorter and like been working backwards. Uh, one that I started a while ago on my Switch was 10 and 10 2, which is like another classic one I need to play and I should. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, do you have games you like you feel ashamed of not playing them? Oh, so many. We could probably like, do I a know. whole podcast where we just like <laughs> yes. air our yeah. dirty, dirty secrets. <laughs> like, yeah, all the listeners be like, I can't believe these people are in games we are and they haven't played X. Like, I, yeah. we'll get like, like the blacklisted f- from people. <laughs> that was like the first big barrier, I think, to working in gaming and like not feeling insecure about it. It's just getting over the fact that like no one has played every single game. And the people that make you feel bad about not playing every single game are, like, not the real, like, industry professionals that are not, like, no one that I've ever worked with has been like, oh my god, you call yourself a Final Fantasy fan, you probably right. played all the Final Fantasies. We like, don't gatekeep here. Yeah. No, it's usually, like, random people on the internet that do, that, like, mm-hmm. aren't even in the games industry. And you're like, why do I care about their opinion? Why do I care about their opinion? <laughs> you shouldn't even care about our opinion, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I care about, like, but, like, I think... I think I used to get, like, really in my head about it and be like, oh, my God, I just have to, like, play more video games. I'm, like, so behind and, like, I shouldn't be working in gaming. And then you're like, Mm -hmm. no, because I think the more you work in gaming, like, you sometimes just, like, play less games because you're like, I've been working on video games all day. Yeah. I kind of want to go outside. 
Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's okay. And that's totally okay. So Caitlin and I both mentioned The Last of Us, and that's convenient because one of the topics we have for our first episode is talking about live-action video game adaptations. Uh, as a part of this show, we're going to bring one, two, three, depending on the week, new relevant news topics to dig into. We're calling them our triple points of interest. Uh, and so our triple point of interest this week are live action gaming adaptations. Uh, Caitlin, Sarah, did either of you have anything else to say on the, the whole triple points of interest thing before we dig in? No, no I, I mean, like the name, let's dive <laughs> into some video game adaptations. Yes, so this week, the latest in this kind of ongoing theme, as we'll dig into, is that uh, this comes from Polygon, the author Matt Patches. Uh, the first Halo TV series trailer brings Master Chief to life. So yeah, first announced by Steven Spielberg way back at E3 2013, the, <laughs> almost 10 years ago. No wonder I forgot about this. <laughs> yeah, so it's got an, it's had an anniversary coming up too. Wow. <laughs> the Halo TV series is finally here and there's a trailer to prove it. Don't expect much. Microsoft and Paramount offered only a brief 27 second teaser of live action Master Chief on Monday. Um, this show is set now. Now I'm. Uh, no longer Polygon, Sam Mosher is speaking. Uh, the show's set to air on Paramount Plus in 2022. It's going to follow Master Chief and Cortana in a store in a story like loosely based on the games. Before we dig into the kind of larger theme of live action game adaptations, are either of you interested in this show in particular at all? Oh, I 100%. A I live action Master Chief, please. I, I'm not a Halo person. I've always been PlayStation, so like. I don't have a lot of experience with Halo, but I would watch it just out of like, I mean, there's no barrier to entry. I might as well. <laughs> I I will say I, my, <laughs> I don't know how to like explain this. Have Sam, have you watched Red versus Blue by Rooster Teeth? Yes, I have. <laughs> that is my gold standard for <laughs> Halo adaptation um, TV like series. I loved Red vs. Blue. It just was one of my favorite, like, online series that tied in with, like, Halo in a loose way. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm excited for it. This is going to be the show that gets me to download Paramount Plus because I don't have it because I refused up until this point. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I'm like, there's no barrier to entry. Oh, wait. <laughs> Paramount subscription. Oh, use who it. has a Paramount subscription? Yeah, it's really like finding a friend that has a Paramount subscription. Sam, the, do you the, have a... <laughs> the key is ask your parents or your, your parents' friends because somebody has it to watch Yellowstone. <gasps> I was just going to say, is it for Yellowstone? <laughs> my mom has it. Or they have it to like watch the iCarly reboot. It's the only two <laughs> oh, reasons anyone would gosh. have it. Every parent or, or friend of a parent watches Yellowstone. I, I guarantee it. That is... <laughs> um, yeah. My entire family. <laughs> Same with mine. <laughs> That's yeah. so, so funny. I'm excited for this show. The Halo live action adaptation has been even a, a long time, longer time coming than the Steven Spielberg announcement implies. That's when the TV show was announced. But I don't know if either of you remember Peter Jackson, director of Lord of the Rings. He was at one point attached to a Halo movie. Um, like post Lord of the Rings, which I would have been really interested don't, to yeah, see. Yeah, don't tell me that. Yeah, like with, I mean, just imagine like the makeup that went into Lord of the Rings getting used to like for the grunts in this in the the elites. That'd be amazing. Oh. Um, I know. Then Neil Blomkamp of District Nine was also mm -hmm. trying to make a Halo movie happen at some point. Uh, but here we are now, of course, it, I feel like it's inevitable for a lot of video games to end up on TV because amidst the streaming wars that Paramount Plus is a part of, every big you know, service wants to have their, their killer app, their genre show, their Game of Thrones is what a lot of people like to compare it to. Um, Netflix has The Witcher. Uh, HBO is developing The Last of Us, and now Paramount Plus is doing Halo, and I think we're only going to see... Mm -hmm. Netflix has a crap ton of animated Arcane. properties. Yeah, oh yeah, Lord, it, which is getting great reviews, I've heard. Yes, yeah. I think movies, too, over the past year or so, when theaters have kind of been quieter and things have been going straight to streaming, 
Like, I think the Monster Hunter movie and, like, I think Sonic didn't, wasn't also available to stream. Sonic was, like, the last movie oh, no, I Sonic saw was in the theaters. Last one. Oh, <laughs> yeah. no. Was it that's really? That's, like, our Last of Us movie poster. <laughs> that, like, the world goes into apocalypse. Like, that's the last thing they see. It's like, oh, my God. Sonic. <laughs> On the marquee is Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, that's what I always see when I walk around, like, I see people walk around The Last of Us. It's, like, all the posters. I'm like, oh, my God. Ours would have been Sonic. <laughs> Not that that's a bad thing, but, like, can you imagine just growing up years from now after this started, never remembering the real life, being like, what the <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, Mortal Kombat launched, I think, on HBO Max, too. Yeah. Um, it's, like, film movies. And the Monster Hunter movie, which I still haven't seen yet, but I really <laughs> want to. My brother and I wanted to watch together, and he's just, like, terrible at answering his phone, and we haven't been together in like months um but that looked good but i think i think people get so divided on these because like some people want them some people don't some of them people love some of the people hate I, I don't know i feel like there's no balance like what do you do you guys find there's like a balance or something you feel like works well i i have a question because i i'm not 100 percent sure but i was trying to think back to like Okay, what was the first, what was the origin of video game adaptations? Was Tron a video game oh, that got turned into a movie? Or is it just... It was a TV series, I think, or a movie series. Just a, just a movie that has video game in it. Okay, I yeah. I couldn't remember if Tron was actually a video game because at, I was going to say no one remembers the video game Tron. Um, but I will say I never played Mortal Kombat but I watched the movie this year and I liked it. I found it entertaining. I liked like some of the characters. Um, some of the fighting sequences were like I thought were really cool and gruesome. And I, which I know is a part of the the game and like the finisher moves and such. But from what I heard from people who loved the Mortal Kombat games, um, I I just felt like the consensus was that they didn't love it. So it's, I don't know, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, maybe if you don't love the subject material, you haven't played it, you are more, like, it's a good introduction or a way to get people interested in that game and wanting to play it after they see it. Yeah, I think it's so hard to strike that balance because you're appealing to, I guess, like, just people that aren't even aware of the game or don't really have any interest in gaming to, like, the casual people that, like, in gaming that know of it to, like, the diehard fans and it is, I don't think I've seen any live adaptation that, like, checked off all three boxes people. And even, like, the, um, the upcoming Uncharted movie, I think the trailer is, like, a good example, too. Because mm -hmm. people were so divided on that. And, like, you know, uh, my boyfriend and his friends are big Uncharted fans. They played the game and they were like, it didn't feel like it was specifically Uncharted. It just mm -hmm. felt like it could be another, like, action movie. And then I think for some people, they were like, it just seems like it's rehashing the game as a movie and then some people were like it didn't seem like it followed the the game enough and i was like first of all that's a lot to pull out of a like two minute trailer um <laughs> but second it's just like yeah people are so divided on what they want and how they want it um i don't know if there's anything like you guys always look for for me it's always like the campy stuff i feel like games like for the monster on a movie is like i just really want the monsters to look good mm -hmm. i'm not there for the story like, I really, I just want to see, like, a Nergagante on screen. Like, that's <laughs> all I want with it. And I want to see it breathe fire and run around. And that's why I'm here. And I feel like for Mortal Kombat, is similar. It's like, I just want to see people getting their, like, spines ripped out. Yeah. And, like, heads rolling. <laughs> I don't care about anything else. Um, I think it's, that's how I felt with Detective Pikachu. I really loved it. It, like, um, tonally, it felt like a Pokemon movie. And really what I wanted was good looking Pokemon existing yeah. in the world and what that would look like in real life. And personally, I felt that they pulled it off. Um, it just, yeah. I remember being in the movie theater and being like, oh my God, look at the little squirrels as like firemen yeah. and they're like putting it, oh, just adorable. <laughs> like the good story was like a plus on that. I was yeah. really just there to see like a live action Pikachu and like live action all the Pokemon. Yeah. Like, it's Especially Eevees, but like all the Pokemon. Uh, Eevees are Eevees, my favorite. <laughs> they were all just so cute. Yeah, that that's, maybe wasn't their primary uh, like reason for making the movie, but I was like, <laughs> I just walked out feeling all fuzzy, which is like they're so adorable. Yeah, I think a key 
point that worked for... I can't believe I'm about to compare Mortal Kombat and Detective Pikachu. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, but two movies, I think, out of like a, a lot of the ones we've named, like work a lot better than the other ones are, I, I think, a, a more general thing. Just the special effects are good, I think, on both. I think uh, they don't look cheap. Uh, even though Mortal Kombat was made on a fairly low budget, all things considered. Um, and then two, I think... What's less important for me in a video game adaptation is less so getting the story beats beat for mm -hmm. beat exactly and less so just like getting the tone and the world right. Like you said, Sarah, with like, or I forget whether it was Caitlin or Sarah saying like the tone of Detective Pikachu feels apt to the world mm -hmm. of Pokemon. So while this is like largely like an original story that's kind of inspired by the Detective Pikachu game, the fact that like all these Pokemon are doing things that really make sense in universe feels loyal to the fans that are like going into the theaters to see this and the same with that mortal Kombat. all these characters like doing their quips and the finish hymns and the sub-zero versus scorpion fight while you know largely not lifted from any game or stories that have been in these games are all things that fans are very familiar with so i think it's finding that right balance between your own story but still getting the you know checking the boxes that fans want yeah, the universe, but, like, I think when you try to retell a story, like, a video game beat by beat, it's, like, at that point, why not just play the game? And you're also never going to be able to fit a 30-hour video game into, like, a two-hour movie. So it's always going to be people that are like, oh, well, this part's missing. Like, maybe with The Last of Us, because it's a series, they can. Yeah. But, like, at that point, the game is also just so well done and beautifully created and the voice acting's great. Like, I guess it's like, what are you adding on top of that? Like, I feel like Detective Pikachu Mortal Kombat added on to the experience of the game. It didn't try to, like, recreate the game step by step. They're adding Pedro Pascal. <laughs> so I was going to ask, Caitlin, as a fan, like, what are you hoping to get out of this HBO show? Because I'm also, I say all this, but I expect Last of Us, of all these things we talked about, to be a fairly loyal adaptation, but I'm still excited for it. What are your thoughts on what we're going to get? Um, I think it's going to be very loyal. I just from I, we've only seen like behind the scenes photos, but we've seen like Ellie, Joel, Tess. Um, I we might have seen Tommy. I but I just remember seeing like Bella Ramsey as Ellie and Pedro Pascal as Joel and Anna Torv as Tess that like I saw them and I was like, yes, like this is this is exactly what I thought they were going to look like. They fully represent who these characters are and just having a studio like HBO behind that to actually put like money where their mouth is and you just besides like the last two seasons of Game of Thrones everything that they've put out I have been very happy with <laughs> um in the long run yeah so I agree yeah I just I mean I know The Last of Us is already a very a narrative driven game and one could argue like, okay, you might as well just play the game. But sometimes maybe I just want to like lay in bed and watch <laughs> it and like see, okay, what would this look like in real life? Because it does feel like a story that could happen. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of those, I guess, adaptations, like with Detective Pikachu and like Sonic and even like Mortal Kombat, the characters are very distinctive and very kind of like, I wouldn't even say, like, unnatural, but they're, like, just, you know, they're of their own world. You're not trying to imitate anything. I feel like with The Last of Us, the casting, the casting was so important, and people were so divided over the casting and so passionate one way or the other because, like, the characters in the game have a distinctive look, and they are look like people. So if you're casting, you know, uh, someone as Pikachu, like, the look and stuff like that, that's not really matter. <laughs> um, although I think there is a an argument for, like, Chris Pratt as Mario... Like, <laughs> just the voice acting being an argument right. to people, but I will reserve judgment until that's out. <laughs> um, but I feel like there's, like, so much more people have vested in these, like, specific characters when they have a specific look. Whereas mm -hmm. Detective Pikachu and Sonic, you can pretty much nail through, um, like, recreating it digitally, although Sonic not at first. Uh, but you can pretty <laughs> much nail the look and the feel of the characters by recreating them digitally. Like, Detective Pikachu he looked like Pikachu in the games. He looked like a realistic version yeah. of Pikachu. And same thing with all this Pokemon. I feel like that added so much more to the movie that like, even if the story was not great, I would have been like, 
all right, they're so cute. But I feel like with The Last of Us, so much of it depends on the inner, like, personal conversations and connections and acting that that is a high bar to set. And I don't think anyone's going to be, you're not going to have, like, everyone being happy with that. Right. No matter how good the acting is, you know, actors take their own liberties and have their own ways of approaching things. With stuff like that, with people, characters like Joel and Ellie that are so iconic, anything changed, people are going to have an uproar versus, like, if Pikachu's changed or things are changed or now Squirtle are firefighters, even if it's not, like, canon <laughs> to the game, it's still, like, in-universe kind of thing. Yeah. And I think it helps that, like, so Neil Druckmann was, I mm-hmm. I want to say he's an executive producer for the show. I know he worked closely with HBO. Yeah, I think he's a script writer, too, or something like that. Yeah. Very, very, like, involved, which is kind of rare. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Co-written the show and served as director on some episodes. I just, like, I just Googled it because um, I before I spoke. But, <laughs> yeah, I just having someone who is, like, part of the source material involved with the adaptation gives me more hope compared to, like, I don't know another adaptation if there wasn't people involved from, like, the source material. But that just gives me, like, yeah, like I said, just more hope that it's going to be faithful to the original, but also, like, it's going to bring something new to the story. Is Druckmann also involved in the um, Uncharted movie? See, that that is much more hands-off. Um... Yeah. yeah, I was wondering. I was just curious. What would be, okay, so I guess, like, a good way to kind of round this out, what would be a movie you would love to see or game you'd love to see brought as a live adaptation? And what don't you want to see? Because for me, it's Kingdom Hearts. I never want to see that. I thought you were going to say you do. I was like, wow. I never never want to see that live action. God, no, no, no. It's so much better in a fantasy world where it's doing its own thing and all the Disney characters look like Disney Um, characters. You put that in real world, it's going to get messy. Animal Crossing would be a nightmare. <laughs> oh my god! Meet Moop Moop Mom. Oh my god, that's terrifying. It, um, I'm not I saying I wouldn't want like a TV series, like something. It yeah, would be an really animated cool. series. Yeah, like yeah. Or if it was like kind of dark and twisted, <laughs> because some of the things in Animal Crossing, if Nintendo's you think about it, no, I know, but um, relatively yeah. some of the things you do, like hitting people hitting your villagers on the head with a net and then like running off is twisted. Um, but I definitely don't want to see the live action of that. Yeah. Like I would see animated series like King. I think they actually might be working on animated series at kingdom hearts. I think they're working on final fantasy 14, some kind of series. I think it was like a movie or like a, I think it was a series. I don't know if it's live action or if it's also animated, Mm. but like, I feel like that would make a good film TV series because it's so, long and it's like four games in at this point that would be a good movie i'm trying to think though i feel uh, like a horizon zero dawn i was just really gonna cool. say horizon yeah. zero dawn that, that was also so going cool. to be my answer yeah i would yeah. love to see it's already machines. like a movie it's just beautiful and detailed and amazing and i feel like depending on who they cast as aloy i would it could be a really cool movie i would love to see he hasn't done much work recently but i would love to see gore verbinski director of the pirates of the caribbean trilogy um do a horizon (laughs) movie because his visual effects are amazing and i i think he could nail the tone of a horizon movie Mm -hmm. um and and honestly because i i'm a fan of horizon zero dawn but honestly one of my i think the game's a little too long so i would love to almost see it distilled down into um a movie you know stripped of some of like the rpg uh like questing in there but that that's my yes. own personal preference i oh i i 100 percent know what i want to see a live adaptation for and it is hellblade senua's oh. sacrifice because of how visual that game is like with um senua struggling with psychosis and other mental health and just the nordic mythology um oh gosh i just yeah I I just want to see that. <laughs> I don't know who I would want t- to direct it. It feels like it would be a an A24 film. <laughs> Ari Aster's Hellblade. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I feel like I also wouldn't want to see a live action adaptation of Final Fantasy. I would rather <laughs> like they had the like the um what is it? 
Advent Children movie. Yes, and that was you. like still mm-hmm. animated. But like just for one, I don't want to see their attempt at trying to get the hair right. Like that's just where I draw that center <laughs> on the line. I don't want to see them try and recreate a bunch of wigs of these really spiky hairdos that just look not as good as the actual game. Um, yeah. I don't think that I think I'd rather just do an animated movie again. Yeah. So many options when you start thinking about it, you're like, what else? But Well, we we might get these one day. It's maybe like you said, Sam, it seems to be a trend that we are getting more and more adaptations. Um and I don't know. It's an exciting time that we live in. <laughs> Games are coming to the big screen. Watch Games out. Games <laughs> are. Um, speaking of, I want to rent out a movie theater and play like Mario Kart. So we should Ooh. all get together and do oh that. Oh my God. Well, that was an exciting first episode. <laughs> Thank you both for joining me. And I don't know. I look forward to our next episode. We Sometimes it will be the three of us. Sometimes it will be two of us. Sometimes one. We'll bring on guests from Triple Point as well as industry guests moving forward. And you can find us at Real Time Strategy. We have an episode every two weeks on Friday on pretty much all your podcast services. You got Apple, Spotify, um, Amazon, Google. And yeah, reach out to us at podcast at triplepointpr.com. You can find us on social media at Real Time Strats, uh, right? Yes. Yeah. I, I knew I, knew I, I was, was like, forgetting one. <laughs> oh, thank you. Sorry, Real Time Strats at Twitter. And we will have our individual Twitters in, on that page, on that bio as well, if you'd like to reach out to us. Thanks. Bye, guys.